most people think. Hello and welcome to episode 64 of What Most People Think. The boringest week of the year. I know that last week was boring, but I think that this this week might have outstripped it. I've, there's just nothing going on. I mean, there's news happening. But in terms of life, I mean, we in our house, we've been discussing, so I'm recording this Thursday afternoon, and uh, we've been discussing what we're going to have for Friday night takeaway since Tuesday. I mean, it, it does come at something when the most exciting thing of the week was PMQs, wasn't it? Just as we knew that there'd been the uh, the readmittance of Jeremy Corbyn to the Labour Party, you're like, fuck you, no, PMQs is going to go off. And then it was, it was like everything else in our life at the minute. It was one bloke coming in on a video link, another bloke looking nervous, and it, and it all fizzled out to, to fuck all. Um, but anyway, listen, welcome to What Most People Think. Thanks very much for the feedback about the last show uh, with Dominic Frisbee. People seem to really like that. Like I say, if there's if there's the right guest for the podcast, um, I will get them in. And we have a range of guests. Some you might agree with, some you might not. Um, it's what most people think. It's coming from the angle of uh, a bloke who voted Conservative for the last four general elections and uh, who voted Leave. You know, that's, that's a revolutionary angle in comedy. And long may it remain so for my... For my career. Yes, yeah, it's, it's what most people think. It's the show that wasn't sad to see Dominic Cummings go, but we'll miss how much he used to wind up moralistic liberals. <laughs> hey, there were some classics. <laughs> I, I thought it's possible I both think the guy was a dick, but also think that the way that people reacted to him was fucking hysterical as well. Um, just a shout out to Patreons, the Patreon community, to keep this... I mean, it's community, is it? <laughs> but... We've got some, because I'm working through the patrons that haven't had their shout outs. And I'm giving a shout out to Stuart Hilton, who just sounds like a, a Conservative Party, like sort of a director of comms, doesn't he? In fact, wasn't that guy? Wasn't there a guy? Adrian Hilton. That was a guy. Steve Bond, who also sounds like a Conservative director of comms. Steve Bond, yeah, that's right. I've got one of those accents where you can't tell whether I was my background's working class or I just speak like this because it works well in politics. Steve Bond. Anyway, welcome. You know, well, thank you for your support. This is how the, the this is how the show remains unpolluted by adverts. And I mentioned this on the um, on the podcast only, uh, the Patreon only podcast earlier this week was that a lot of a lot of podcasts getting plastered with advertising. Good luck to them if they want to make a few quid. But I can't help but think that when I listen to podcasts like that, it really annoys me having to fast forward those <laughs> thirty seconds. It's so hard, it's so hard. So what you do for your Patreon? contributions you allow other people not to have to do the fast forwarding so god bless all every single one here god bless every single one here uh, we've got cuss counts we've got two cuss counts this week one which was for the patreon only episode which is uh, obviously from the, the uh, legendary david domain that was four fucks two fucked 28 fuckings now it must be said that that was a i think that was like a a 35 minute episode was it no no it's 32 minutes 28 fuckings i mean that's one fucking a minute, let alone the other numbers. Uh, one motherfucker, three pissed, one shat, four shit, one shitting. And we go back to the episode with uh, Dominic Frisbee. As you'd expect, as uh, you know, purists of the cuss count will expect, is it was lower. Of course it was lower. There was um, six fucks, one fucks, two fucks sake, in brackets, <laughs> uh, 20 fuckings, two shits, and a twat. 20 fuckings, two shits, and a twat. It sounds like Hugh Grant's new 
follow up to four weddings and a funeral. But that works out. That works under under half a swear a minute. And considering that was a particularly long episode at one uh, one hour ten, that that's pretty it's uh, pretty anemic run rate there. That is that's kind of like a late seventies Gillette Cup final one day sort of run uh, run rate. Now today there's quite a lot to discuss. It is just us today. I hope you don't mind. We're just catching up, you know, with a few things. There's a lot to talk about, you know. There's a few things, a lot been happening in politics, you know. I spoke about the departure of Cummings, which, as ever in politics, always feels like from another lifetime in walking out with his little box there, like, uh, <laughs> like you, like it was just like like a rom com, you know what I mean? It was like he was like a character in a rom com that had been fired in the states. You know, in the states are always getting fired at the beginning of rom coms. He had one of those little boxes, which a lot of people speculated might have the head of Gwyneth Paltrow in, which was referenced to the film Seven. Spoiler alert. I should have said spoiler alert before. That's not really a spoiler alert. It's work, is it? But, uh, but yeah, we had all that. We had, um, we had um, Jeremy Corbyn getting readmitted to the uh, Labour Party. And so we'll be discussing all that. Then we've got footballers. I want to talk about the fact that footballers have just become deified. It's very strange for an old man like me to get my head around the fact that footballers are suddenly portrayed as these uh, these worthwhile activists when not long, not so long ago it was well, it was a bit different, wasn't it? Uh, and we can talk about the fairy tale of New York because, you know, <clears throat> it's getting to that time of the year where someone needs to talk about the fact that the fairy tale of the New York contains the word faggot and then we get the censorship and the BBC radio have come up with their own censorship policy which we'll discuss later in the show. And then if we get to it, if we get time, there's a bit of, bollo- a bit of bollocks which is uh, just an idea I had about women pretending that they're going to bring a social gathering to an end and then letting it carry on for much longer. We're going to try a bit of men's, men's mental health this week, which is about being the breadwinner, eh? Being the breadwinner. As, this is, as I'm recording it, it's uh, International Men's Day, which, you know, it's it, even, even still, even despite it being International Men's Day, I saw my good friend, right-wing comedian Leo Curse post... Post one of the official graphics from International Men's Day saying that, you know, it's not just for men, it's for kids, women, transgenders. I'm thinking, like, can we not just have a fucking... You know, we're losing a lot of stuff at the moment, men. I sort of thought, oh, right, is, is International Men's Day a bit like Father's Day? You know, we go, it's Father's Day. Every day, it's all about you today, Dad, so you can take everybody out and pay for lunch. Oh, thanks very much. But uh, we'll be discussing that, and then, of course, we will do the letters towards the end of the show. Now... Just a quick thank you and a fuck you. I always do a thank you and a fuck you. It's my, well, it's my attempt to, uh, at what they would call an item. You know, they would call that an item in television. <laughs> Imagine if you just sitting at a high level London production company. What's your pitch today? Uh, thank you and a fuck you. Thank you this week is to Tunnock's Tea Cakes. They're not a sponsor. I'm just thanking them because it's a great little chocolate, isn't it? They're really underrated Tunnock's Tea Cakes because you can. You could just, there's just a perfect ratio, man, of that chocolate, then that weird marshmallowy shit and the biscuit. I don't know about you, I, I, I try not to be a gannet, but you, ju- you just put it all in your mouth and just let it, let it just well, explode in your mouth, I was going to say, but that's probably not a great image. But Tunnock's absolutely, I mean, why don't they do more products, Tunnock, Tunnock? <laughs> This is going to be a long show in here if I can't fucking speak, but the uh, but yeah, they do they do the Tunnock's Caramel and the Tunnock's Tea Cake. They've nailed both of those. But they haven't really expanded. But maybe, maybe that's maybe that's the key. You know what I mean? You get all these fucking like Kit Kat salted caramel bollocks. Everyone knows all you need with a Kit Kat is you just need a chunky Kit Kat now, or uh, or a four fingered one if you're having a cup of tea. And I hope people will understand that there is a crucial difference there. Um, a fuck you this week is to everybody that made me think that 
I could get takeaway pints, right? Everyone's like, yeah, no, no, pubs are delivering. Yeah, no, pubs are doing. Yeah, well, maybe in your metropolitan heartland. I went around my way. I got to, I was been thinking about it all week. <laughs> this is, uh, last week it was, it was, it was uh, pints that you could get from a pub. This week it's takeaways. Life isn't what it was, is it? But I was thinking about, you know, getting these pints and then it came to it. I finished my, finished my work at about half five because I was working Saturday, which I don't like doing generally, but I thought I'm going to, I'm going to come back from a pub with four pints. I'm going to drink four. We all know four pints. That's enough to get a proper beer cap on, isn't it? You know, like, you're going to go, two and a half beers is enough, but four, you're drunk there. You're drunk. It's going to, it's going to be, it's going to make for an interesting few hours, right? And then no one had them. I was ringing around, ringing around all the pubs around my way. And sorry, we're not, one of them clearly like hasn't been open since April. So, hello. So who's that? Hair and hounds. Who the fuck is this? I was like, I'll just, I'll just wonder if you're doing takeaway points. Takeaway points? Who is shut since April? Stop bothering me. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, if anyone else got any other suggestions for stuff that is clearly only happening when you live in fucking zone two, then let me know. Okay, so politics this week. It was bad, wasn't it? Both the Tories and the Labour Party were doing that thing that they used to do quite a lot under May and uh, Corbyn, which was they just sort of competed as to who could be the shittest. Do you know what I mean? It was like some ongoing donkey derby there, particularly in 2018-19, I think. You know, those are the golden years for them. Just almost them seeming to be jealous when the other was getting bad press just because it meant they weren't getting press. And it started off where we had the comment on uh, Boris made about devolution, where he said it's been the biggest disaster north of the border. And it was weird the way that it broke, because it broke in the Sun newspaper, and it was a story about funding for Scottish Football League clubs. But he'd obviously said this in, in an address to his MPs. And um, look, I, I can kind of understand that as you're a leader of a party, you get a bit indiscreet on a Zoom. Do you know what I mean? Maybe it had a bit of a ladsy vibe to it. He was showing off a bit. And uh, yeah, because it's not like anybody could fucking record that on an audio record, is it, Boris? And uh, and then it then it was blown up into this big thing, and it, it, it ties in again to something I was saying on the Patreon-only podcast, which is that, yeah, the Tories have done loads of stuff wrong, they continue to do things wrong, but it just seems to be like a habit now, of just going for them every single day. And I wonder if it eventually, you know, a lot of people have spoken about why the Tories haven't gone below roughly 40% in the polls, is whether or not other people feel like that. It just, it ends up becoming a bit... You know, they just sort of stagger into the next crisis and it all blends into one. Whereas, you, you know, back in the day, if the government had a scandal or a clusterfuck, it would happen so occasionally. Maybe they're just so incompetent. They've actually reached this quite effective floor. We're just like, we're, we've all become like, it's like a version therapy. We've all become sort of immune to it. But the point was, right, about like devolution north of the border is, is ever since it has happened... Um, you know, the, the possibility of Scotland breaking away from the UK has become stronger. Of course, the reason we had the referendum, you know, the Indie Ref in uh, 2014, you know, the one for a, the only one for a generation, is that, is that, you know, like the movement had gathered pace. So you, if you're a unionist party, you can't really just say, yeah, you know, great, devolution. I, I don't want any, I don't want anything to be run from West Monster. Yeah. I, you know, so I didn't think it was that controversial. Um, that he, he said that. You know, and there was good news around this week if you wanted to have it. I mean, the fact that the, the UK government has overperformed in terms of securing global supplies of uh, whatever vaccine it is, whether or not you think it's going to fucking work or make your head just like swell up like a fucking one of those puffer fishes. I don't... 
I, you know, I, but look, whatever this vaccine is and whatever it does and whoever they think is going to take it, we, we're going to have our fair share of it. That, that You know, so they could have celebrated that, the liberal press that seemed very pro-vaccine, but that got kind of ignored. And we also had the third quarter um, financial figures come out, you know, the GDP. That was good. They didn't really talk about that. And then and then the Labour Party, you know, they got kind of jealous of the Tories getting all this attention. And they thought, oh, I'll tell you what we'll do. Jeremy Corbyn, who was the leader of the Labour Party, under him, anti-Semitism like, ex- increased exponentially. And an, a, uh, an EHRC report found that his office was guilty of meddling politically in anti-Semitism investigations. So we suspended him. Let's bring him back. After 19 days in the wilderness. <laughs> Let's bring him back. He's had long enough, hasn't he? 19 fucking days, man. That was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It made me think about a mate I had when I used to play like Sunday League football who once told the ref to fuck off. But he didn't say it like that because he was a teenage boy. He was you know, wasn't quite a teenager. He was 12. He was, fuck off. Fuck off. Fuck, fuck off. Why do teenage boys say fuck off like that? Fuck off, you fucking fuck. Anyway, so I've really, I've really smashed the cuss count there. But anyway, he got a 30-day suspension from the county. Do you remember if you got sent off back then, you'd get like this... They were really long suspensions, particularly if you said anything to the ref. Um, but Corbyn, no, he just did 19 days. 19 days, and it's mad, isn't it? Because if you thought, if you were the Labour Party, and the, what you wanted to do is just, how can we, how can we just send out like this vibe like we haven't really changed at all? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, the, you know, Keir Starmer is essentially, you know, it's the glitter on the turd that we are rolling, right? You know, he is, it sort of made it seem like like Keir Starmer is, he's like teacup, you know, on a car where the actual bodywork, the paintwork is still the same. They've just done a little teacup, they've buffed it up, but nothing has really changed. And you saw, you saw in the reaction to it that there's a quite a decent part of the Labour Party who never really accepted the outcome of the report anyway. You know, that's the point. If they accepted it, they would also accept that that is way too soon for him to come back. But they, they just say, oh, look, we just, you know, I see people like Owen Jones and stuff. They just say, look, you know, this was an absolute, you know, this was an absolute farce. Let's just move on. Well, um, I'm not sure it quite, quite works like that, Owen, because, it, you know, there's a lot of hurt people. There's a lot of Jewish people that, that saw anti-Semitism on the rise. They saw Corbyn turn a blind eye in many respects. What's he done? 19 19 days, you know, 19 days. So maybe they don't believe it. Maybe, they, but then doesn't that, you know, these these Corbyn supporters, would they, they're a little bit like, you know, they start to end up sounding a bit like Trump supporters. You know, they just, there wasn't nothing in that report on the EHRC. They just made it up. That's the right wing press that is. Jeremy Corbyn. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, you, if you actually just put a redneck accent on what they're saying, it does make them sound slightly Trumpy, doesn't it? Jeremy Corbyn is a good man. He's been on the right side of history throughout history. He has never once been on the wrong side, even when he was supporting Hamas. He just did that. He was just trying to keep tabs on them. That's what he was doing. <laughs> and Jeremy Corbyn, that magic grandpa, that's what my kids call him. Woo-wee! He... <laughs> that's probably racist against, like, working-class American white people. But fuck it. You know, apparently that's allowed. Um... You forget. You forget that something. You do you know, right wing press, EHRC is full of conservatives. That's what I'll tell you. I'll tell you it's full of conservatives. I mean he had you look at you forget. I was watching some videos the other day because again, lockdown 
too has been really exciting, but you forget the people that he associated with. His head of communications was Seamus Milne, right? A very clear supporter of Hamas. Now, I think you can be pro-Palestinian independence without being pro-Hamas. Hamas, yeah, they kind of don't accept the existence of uh, Jewish people too much. And he is clearly, if you, if you want, look, if you want to keep your head buried in the sand, fine. But if you want to go and have a look, the videos are there, you know, the videos are there. And look, I just think that this, these factions, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the year that I sort of had this hunch that the Labour Party was going to split. And I still, look, with the NEC, the people who made this decision on behalf of the Labour Party, would they just, this was a clear mug off to uh, Keir Starmer. He's, he made getting rid of Corbyn, kicking him out of the party. He made that a real leadership issue. And they, the problem is they've got this National Executive Council that have like quite a big say in terms of party management. I'm not sure the, the Tories have the exact same thing. And it doesn't make you think, right? They've kind of let Keir Starmer do his, you know, his lawyer thing in in, in House of Commons because they're quite happy for him to sort of tear Boris apart and make him look stupid. When it comes down to actual policy... You know, are they going to let him do his thing? Because as I keep saying this podcast, the mechanisms of the Labour Party haven't changed. You know what I mean? Do you think, do you think Len, McCl- Len McCluskey's already kicking off, isn't he? He's already kicking off. Um, let, imagine what people like that will be when they're, when they're in power, you know? Say when, I mean. Every time Keir Starmer does something to try and make the Labour Party more electable, they ain't having it. Right? <laughs> That's what makes me laugh about it. They're so self-defeated, like, well, what's that? So you're trying to make us electable. I'll tell you something. I did not get into politics to be in power. Okay? What most people think. So, you know, then we had the Tory connections, you know, with between contracts. You know, it does seem a bit dodgy that, that they're, a lot of these contracts have been given out without any oversight. And it seems that there might be some connections between knowing people in the party. I'd like to see, like, actual proof of this. But that's certainly the perceptions that are out there. You would think, like, if I if I was running a Tory party, I'd be like, okay, lads, all right, lads. Now, one of the biggest image problems we have is that people think that we're a bunch of posh lads who all fagged for each other, fucking Eton or Westminster College, okay? So let's try not to maybe throw multi-billion pound contracts to our mates because it probably is the easiest stick to beat us with, all right? So don't, you there, yeah, yeah, Govey, don't, don't be going... Handing something out to someone called Arthur Williamton Blythe the Fourth. Yeah, if we do one thing, let's make sure that their names aren't that posh. All right, lads. Okay, let's not write the team talk for them. But you dig down into this story, however, and part of the reason reason that the contracts were given out in this manner because there was this crisis with PPE. You know, there's no, there's no real coverage of this fact, but the, the, there was a logic to it, which was that. We want more PPE to be made at home, so let's make this most aggressive tendering process possible. Let's make like a like a VIP lane for people that want to, you know, pitch for the business, right? So that that's why it happened. But again, the toys can't get this. They're struggling to get this message out there. I mean, the most public basically think now is the it's all kind of like a chumocracy, isn't it? You know, and um, but now seventy percent of PPE is made, you know, in Britain, and I'm, I'm not saying that just to kind of like like bum lick the Tories. But that is that, that is that is relevant, is it not? So, yeah. I think at the end of this week, what most people think is that the uh, two main political parties are exactly what we think of them at their worst. So, just cutting in here, uh, we've got to welcome some £5 Patreons. Let's do some... Keith Stoddart. Dave Lakeland. Martin Reddin, 
I don't. I just don't know why. Everyone's so hard. I just get the vibe that none of those names are real. Keith Stoddart. Keith Stoddart. I can't even. Oh, do you know what it does work? If you put all the names together, Stoddart, Lakeland and Reading, then it sounds like one of those kind of like 70s folky things. You know, like the kind of people that influenced Mumford and Sons. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're, uh, you know, before we joined Mumford and Sons, we were very much into uh, Stoddart, Lakeland and Reading. Yeah, they just like their stuff, like their proggy, proggy folk from the 70s. They had one song that lasted 86 minutes. Or... That name, Dave Lakeland. That does sound like good TV cop type name, doesn't it? Dave Lakeland. Lakeland. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Stoddart and Lakeland. That's it. Sorry, you're going to have to sit this one out, Martin Redding. Stoddart and Lakeland. That's a 70s cop duo, ain't it? Keith Stoddart, Dave Lakeland. <laughs> Just see them fucking like... You know those paunchy 70s cops who used to like, like do those lame rolls over the bonnets of a Ford Capri? <laughs> <laughs> men like in the 70s it was way easier to be like those guys were still sex symbols weren't they I mean fucking do you remember like uh, Dennis Waterman like I don't know about you but my old dear thought he was the bomb <laughs> and my like they were badly out of shape badly out of shape not even like that they weren't like pretty good looking handsome men even they were just real rugged looking fucking Michael Elphick as well Michael Elphick Adam West played Batman with uh with like a beer belly. This is, my God, it's like, I know that like blokes died earlier then, but there was, it was easier, wasn't it? You know what I mean? You could start out on Lakeland. They'd just be, they'd just be there. They'd always start. Do you remember those old cop shows as well? They'd always start, they'd just be just finishing sex with some housewife who was in a negligee with massive perm going on and like blue mascara going up on the top of her forehead. Those are the days, aren't they? Those are the days. Oh, what's it all now, the cop shows? Do you know what I mean? We've got some... Some bloody nerd sitting there, haven't they? You could tell he's not a nerd, but he's just been, they put a pair of glasses on him, they're actually quite a sexy person. And, uh, yeah, it's always got to have some kind of social justice thing. Yeah, we've intercepted com uh, communications from a far-right splinter cell. Oh, do you know what I mean? Whatever what happened? <laughs> Whatever happened to two fat blokes just rolling off the bonnet of a Ford Capri and then banging some housewife in a negligee? Jesus Christ, we've lost something in this country. Um, our Patreon, I'm going to push the Patreon. I'm not even going to mention my book, uh, Where Did I Go Right, which is available at pre-order from Amazon and Waterstones now. How, uh, I, you know, I'm not going to talk about that book, which you can buy right now, is uh, the Patreon. right? This month alone, just to let you know what's gone out in the last month, this month alone, I, I put up my whole 20-minute lockdown set from Comedy Unleashed, unedited. That went there, you know, that got put up on the Patreon. We had an article, uh, I think that was last week, we had a Patreon only episode this week, and I can exclusively, <laughs> it's only for me to reveal, isn't it? It's my podcast. I can exclusively reveal is that next Thursday, I'm going to be doing a new material gig. Now, we did a few of these earlier in the year, but they will have to operate a little bit differently because I don't have the subscription that I had and I don't have the access to the moderator that I did. So I'm going to have to do it all myself. So this is how it's going to work. I'm going to, I'll only be able to have 30 people. So that'll be a VIP tier benefit right and i'll put it up and then the, the quickest sort of 30 replies i get that if they put their email addresses i will invite those people and then if it look if it doesn't it, you know if that doesn't come all come from the vip tier then we drop it down one and then another one but i think that it probably will but what i'm going to do is i'm going to record it this time so i will then put it out to both to all tiers after that 
can't say any further than that. I end up sounding like a wheeler dealer, doesn't I? Did you know I used to work on a fruit and vegetable when I was young? I only lasted uh, four weeks because I wanted to sell the iceberg lettuces. Those were always flying off the shelf, you know what I mean? All the ladies wanted the iceberg lettuces, but maybe they saw my middle-class pretensions and they gave me asparagus. And it's just the shittest thing to sell. You know, when you're in a market, you're trying to get people's attention. Get your juicy asparagus. That's right, ladies. I mean, asparagus, superfoods, weren't a thing then, okay? You know, salad, salad, you know, an iceberg lettuce, even though it's 95% water, it counted as like 10 of your five a day. It wasn't it? We didn't even have five a days. Why am I sounding like a 90-year-old this week? But yeah, we're going to do that, and then I'm going to put up the whole episode, and uh, sorry, the, the whole new material gig, and you might, you might be saying, oh, that, that's pretty decent of you, Jeff. Wait till you see it. Okay, so we're going to talk about uh, footballers now because, of course, I did, so I did a tweet, and I always think when you start, you know, I did a tweet. Like most people don't give a shit. Do you know what I mean? It just sounds like playground politics, doesn't it? But I did a tweet about footballers saying that, despite some notable exceptions, i.e., Marcus Rashford, it's worth remembering that many footballers are still complete bellends. And then to, to prove, you know, to make the point that I was doing a slightly light-hearted or ridiculous comment, I put praying hands together, right? And then it got a really bad reaction. As everyone on Twitter, the worst reactions I get off the left are not ones I can predict. So there are people like, oh, really, would you say that about the bankers, would you? It's like, well, yeah, the vast majority of bankers don't earn what Marcus Rashford earns. But anyway, but I wasn't even having a pop at Mar- Marcus Rashford, you know? And, and they did that thing where they said, well, what, what about, what about? And like, yeah, well, if you're saying what about, well, you might as well just say, I do not wish to address the point that you've made. I just want to make my point, right? And the point I'm making is, is the existence of Marcus Rashford doesn't mean that all modern footballers are saints, right? To the same degree that the existence of John Terry doesn't mean that all footballers back in the day were total wrongers, right? But it's changed. It's changed with footballers now, hasn't it? Because they've all gone a bit more modest, you know, a bit more humble, you know, Kyle Walker being a notable exception, but it's changed a lot in in not in not a very long time at all. I mean, remember like five years ago, you know, when I was when I was writing more than I was appearing on topical shows. Well, I still do write for those sort of shows, but you could you could basically insinuate that all footballers were rapists, right? In a joke. You could just say that and it would get a laugh in the room. It would get past the lawyers, it would make the edit and it would go out on the show and no one would think that that was a problem, right? And now there's little old Jeff saying, you know, just, just insinuating that footballers, you know, they're, they're young men, right? They're young men with lots of money. They're going to act like pricks, right? No more than any, no more than I would have, right? Um, but yeah, they've now, footballers have been now lumped into somehow, somehow the activist brand. This is strange things about the left now is that they often, they often end up getting in bed with or backing up people that were formerly their natural enemies, you know? Like corporations, because this uh, week we had the Sainsbury's advert. Now, I don't know if you've seen it. It, it focuses in on a, uh, on a on a black family sharing Christmas together. Now, I it's a great advert. I like the advert. I think that, you know, I have certainly sort of critiqued certain companies this year for jumping, you know, and using kind of mixed race relationships as a way of saying, hey, aren't we radical? Even though most working class people know that we'll, we'll have mixed race relationships all around them. And it's not, it's not a radical thing. Um, but yeah, but the, I thought it was a good advert, you know, I thought it was well cast. And, but generally, when, when companies make these sort of gestures, the left now end up defending the same corporations that not even like, like seven years ago, they were like Starbucks. I remember like 
when the coalition came to power, that was actually, weirdly, the first time that I was hearing about uh, tax avoidance, you know. And of all people, it's coming from David Cameron and George Osborne, who sort of look like they know their way around a tax loophole. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't even think Cameron probably paid fucking tax on that weird shed that he built in the garden. Like, I, I just don't... You, they, you know, they look like everything about them is offshore. Like, even their fucking prostate gland is in the Canaries. But the... The Canaries? That's not a tax haven. What was I thinking of there? Caymans. The Canaries. That's why I've been paying so much tax. My accountant comes from Tenerife. <laughs> Such a muppet. But yeah, the, the, you know, these companies, Starbucks, all they've got to do is say, like, we support transgenderism. I think they actually did do that, actually. And then, and then the online thing, they, they'll get, they, they're forcing the left to get behind them because otherwise the left have to disagree with the progressive stance and they will never do that. So it's, it's genius, isn't it? It's genius. All these fast food restaurants, this, there was this generation who they were worrying. You know, they were basically thinking, how can we just keep selling McFlurries to these bricks? <laughs> oh, yeah, rainbow flag. Yeah. I mean, it's... That's always the problem, isn't it? You think, fair enough, if the people at these companies are, you know, very focused on greater racial integration and harmony, brilliant. That's a, that's a wonderful thing to want. But you just know that their main job is to sell you pointless shit that you don't need. And then maybe, maybe I'm a cynic. Maybe I'm a cynic about these corporations with shareholders and hedge fund investment. <laughs> and then there was this issue where the Daily Mail went for Marcus Rashford. You know, and the problem with the Mail is that they have got this history of double standards. And I do think it's a fair shout. Is that, you know, like a, uh, they just don't go at young white footballers the same way. Now, look, you can say whether or not it's consciously racist, but it certainly seems imbalanced. And they said that he owned four, he'd bought four properties this year, you know, a value of uh, two million quid. And he'd come out and, you know, he said it was for his family. And again, like, let's go, yeah, what a wonderful guy. He's buying fucking houses for his family and stuff. And I think, I think the first point to make is, like, like, he hasn't spent all his money on those houses. Like, he's still a very wealthy person. I think he's on 200 Gs a week. So I, I think, I think you know, <laughs> I think he could buy, I think he could buy his family a flat every other week and he'd still be doing all right. It's just different, isn't it? It's very different when we had the irony with the old, you know, the old generation of uh, footballers. It, it must suck for them because they were, you know, like they must look, they were seen as the fancy Dans and the kind of overly wealthy, frivolous generation. But they actually had less money than these lads. Their financial investment plan revolved around opening up a pub. Do you remember that? Where you'd just be like some, you'd stop off at some weird pub in like Buckinghamshire and there'd be like some geezer there, you know, Scottish fella running the bar and then you'd just see behind that he was the left back for Celtic in 1982. That would happen. You're not going to see that now. These boys, they're all, they're all corporations themselves, you know. So I just want to say that, you know, while it's right to, to credit Marcus Rashford for that he's spending his time doing what he thinks right. Let's just not forget that a lot of footballers are still massive bellends. Hashtag praying hands. Okay, let's talk about the fairy tale of New York. So the, the famous Christmas song by the Pogues, radio, BBC Radio basically decided they're not going to play it with the word faggot in on. And if you, if you object to me using that word, they're still going to play it on Radio 2. Right, so if it's good enough for them to broadcast, it's good enough for me. Now, <clears throat> the question is, you know, for one, it's become a bit of a Christmas tradition, isn't it? 
just arguing about the Pogue song. I mean, this is just a sign, isn't it, of the age that we're in. We can't just enjoy the greatest ever Christmas song. I mean, it is, it is the greatest Christmas song. It's always just reminding me of that bit when the build-up the week before Christmas, 22nd, 23rd December, you're out for drink, actually enjoying your colleagues' company. I'm talking that level Christmas, right? And, uh, yeah, you scumbag, you maggot, you cheap, lousy faggot. Now, I always thought, even as a kid, that, uh, you know, that a woman that would say that to her partner, I, I didn't ever get the sentence that this kind of duologue that's going in the, on in the song is meant to be taken as great examples of, of humanity. I don't think that they're good people. They sound like two absolute wrong'uns. So I, I've always was taken it as, like, this domestic between two smackheads or an alcoholic or whatever. So I never thought, you know, as a kid, oh, uh, the post just said faggot. I think I'm going to be a bit more homophobic today. Where can I start? You know, it's not it's not how it works. I don't know if anybody's ever become more homophobic as a consequence of hearing that song. I don't I don't even think when homophobia was was at, you know, much higher in the 80s that this song contributed. I don't know, but Jeff, you're not from that community, so not really for you to say. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not, but look, I'd rather... Look, I would rather, if you want to hear a controversy about the fairy tale of New York, I would rather that they re-recorded it so I could finally find out what the boys of the NYPD choir were singing. Because always... And it, I know you're going right now, one of you's resources going, this is actually a famous Irish folk song. They were singing, go with gay, go with gay. See, that's actually a pro-gay message, okay? They're actually trying to brainwash us. Well, look, you know... The point is, is yet again, it's another one of these situations where the left, and it just happens too often, broadly, they can't really say, because of their general set of values, that you should be allowed to say this word. So yet again, the left seems to come down, broadly speaking, on the side of censorship. Just a bit of bollocks here now. We're fitting in quite a lot of subjects this week. Hey! Um, why am I congratulating myself for that? Maybe I didn't have enough to say about the other subjects. You ever thought about that, Jeff? No. Um, I want to talk about that phenomenon when you're with your partner and you go around to see friends, right? And, um, you know, you've been chatting, you've been there a while, you're sort of thinking in your head, okay, it feels like this is done now. It feels like this is done. I would argue that on balance, men are always happier to leave a bit earlier, you know? Or, you know, if you're in a same-sex couple, there's always one person in the couple that would think, all right, this is done, right? And, and and then there'll be little clues in the conversation that it's going that way. They'll go, oh dear. Because women will often sigh. I go, oh, because they can't really deal with silences or the, or the social awkwardness of just leaving, right? So they oh, anyway, anyway. And then they'll say like, what are you going for the week, right? And that's a code. That's a code between women. Throwing forward is a sign that even they're acknowledging in an unspoken way that this is in the home straight here. And you think, great. Look, it's a slightly ahead, ahead of schedule. I could get home a bit early, I could watch a bit of Indian Premier League, you know, because it's locked down, there's nothing else happening. Um, so you you sort of think, okay, I feel like she's made a move here and saying, what you got on for the week? I can help push this on a bit further by standing up. I'll stand up, I'll stand up. But look, but hold up, they're still talking. Your wife doesn't get up and think, okay, that was uh, that was unexpected. I say that was, I feel like I was uh, sold a pup a little bit there. But, you know, maybe it's, they've still got a... You know, it's like docking a ship, isn't it? You know, it, it, it takes time. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll go and get the coats, right? I'll go and get the coats. The coats are a great visual symbol that everything about me is expecting to leave now. So I'll go and get the coats. Hopefully by the time I get back in, they'll be wrapping up. But you get back in and um, 
they've st- they're, they're on another chat. They're on another chat. And it feels like a big subject as well, you know, because it seems to revolve around someone called Lisa that they both used to work with and something disgraceful has happened in her life. Like, did you hear about Lisa? Oh, my God. Anyway, and the body language leans in. You go, hey, what are you doing leaning in? Leaning in with that body language, turning to face each other on the couch, doing that weird mirroring body language. What's going on here? I'm just standing there. I'm just standing there now in the middle of the room while this big Lisa chat is going down. And I'm just thinking, I feel like such a prick right now. They're not even looking at me. Not even looking at me. This is, this. you know what this is? This is a power play, is what it is. There was, I, I reckon they had some sort of secret agreement. Think, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's see how long we can make this prick stand here, right? When I went out of the room, they went, look at him trying to get the coach, thinking he's running the show, okay? Let's just make up some shit about someone called Lisa and just see how long we can make him stand there. But look, maybe it's my problem, maybe it's ladies' problem, because ladies, you just got to get more comfortable with just leaving somewhere. You know what I mean? You just there's something about leaving. You just feel like you're gonna leave a bad legacy from the meeting. It's only because you care. I understand that. It's only because you care. You don't because you don't want to. Or, or, or you're paranoid. <laughs> like you don't want to leave, and then she's going. Oh, she's she, she being a bit funny because that's the worst thing. You know, as a woman, to be a bit funny. You don't want to be a bit funny. Whereas you know, being a man, you know, there are there are upsides to it. There are downsides, there which we're going to discuss in a minute. But there are upsides, and one of the upsides is is that. Uh, if you feel something's run its course, you just go, okay, I'm going. Okay, so men's mental health here. Let's talk about one of the downsides of being a man. Is uh, Already I can feel women going, oh, bless. You know that sarcastic thing they do, like men can never have a legitimate complaint about anything. And this is the problem, ladies, is that we can't complain, can we? When you're, when you're the breadwinner, being the breadwinner, it is, there is a pressure that goes with it, okay? And I know that there's some, li- some women listening to this and I know that you have that pressure on your shoulders too but I just wonder if it's slightly different when you're a bloke, bloke because you're expected broadly speaking expected to do that your whole life on balance I know things get really progressive and things are different now but, but, but you know it's just you you see that look you get off their family or their friends when you ain't doing it do you know what I mean so yeah, broadly speaking, you're expected to work and you're expected to, you're not expected to work part-time, okay? There's no part-time work for you. Full-time, you know, maybe, like I say, maybe you're not like the breadwinner, but you're expected to work full-time, no complaints, right? No complaints. And, you know, every once in a while, particularly in a year like this, I can certainly say from from my point of view, you know, being self-employed this year, I've, I've, I've managed to hustle, you know, I've managed to duck and dive, but it's kind of fucking tiring, man. Did you hear my voice? It's kind of tired. And it, and it always makes me think of that scene in, uh, in Mary Poppins when, uh, when Bert says, you know, in Mr. Banks in that film, he, Bert says, well, you know, the kids are really shitting on their old man, aren't they? Like Jane and Michael Banks, little pricks. But Because like, can we just have a little sidebar here? That film, as I get older, and I might have discussed this before, I just get more and more angry with all the other characters in that other than Mr. Banks because, yeah, at the end, he becomes all hippified and shit. But if everyone had just done their jobs at the beginning, you know, the kids are pissing about, the wife, she's off on her feminist march, you know, just, the, the cook is just, you know, she's not doing her job. I, I feel like they had a tight ship there and everyone started dicking about. But anyway, they go on this journey, right? And Jane and Michael, all anti their old man, their fucking dad who's just like burying his soul every day to work at the Bank of England and they're angry with him for it. But he goes, uh, who, who worries about your old dad, eh? Who's there to look after him? And I'm thinking, yeah. You know, we're we're all we're all a bit of Mr. Banks, aren't we? 
And we're not good at self-pity, so what we do is we bury it. But the problem with burying it is it comes out in the form of anger because the self-pity is still there. <laughs> There's still a whiny little bitch inside of you going, it's just really hard. But because, you know, if you don't feel like no one else notices that, that uh, then it comes out in anger. Fuck that, yeah, well, I can't watch, watch the fucking cricket. You know, you just explode. This is one, I've said this before, but this is one of the worst things that men do is because they let it build up, their explosions just take the whole house on by surprise. You know what I mean? It's just over something really weird. Really weird, like they just wanted to watch the, watch the Bond film from the beginning. Just something odd. That does, even though you've got, like, catch-up. It's just something... I just just wanted to watch it while it was going out. But we, we can rewind it, babe. No, while it was going out. And there's some weird metaphor of, you know, being there while something's happening that no one really fully understands, but everyone just tiptoes out of the room, like, oh, someone's on his fucking man period. But I'm, I'm glad in a way that in terms of provision that I can do it just with money because, you know, if you took this down to a more basic age, I'm not good at building things, you know what I mean? I would not, I would not like, I would not be, I would be the worst Amish husband, you know what I mean? If I was a Mormon, they'd be like, oh, fuck, you know, old Ezekiel Norcott there, he ain't building nothing for <laughs> Old Ezekiel Norcott's been getting in the old Amish Ocado. Uh, <laughs> Amish Ocado, what would that be? You know what I mean? They just bring you like uh, the seeds <laughs> and the grain. There you go, plough your own field, Ezekiel. Um, but yeah, it does It does get tiring. And I think maybe if you're, particularly if you're self-employed this week, uh, this week, <laughs> this year, that, that maybe it's ground you down a little bit. I've certainly noticed that there are, you know, the dreams, man. The dreams this year have been insane, you know? And you wake up freaked out and stuff. But this is all you can ever do, is just say it. Say the words out loud. You know, and you'd be surprised, like, lads, if you if you just talk to your missus on this level, because that is so rare. Because you think, oh, I talk to her like she's not going to want to hear it. But there's a way of approaching it and going, always a good way <clears throat> with women is, is, like, if you've been a bit distant, because that always freaks them out. <laughs> they hate you when you're not talking. They want to talk all the time. You're not talking, they don't like it, right? So you go, look, I just want to say, I know I've been a bit distant this week. Because it create a bit of drama, okay, first, because they're like, well, what the fuck's been going on? Has he been, has he been banging someone? Has he been having a socially distanced affair, you know, putting his <laughs> putting his dick through a letterbox <laughs> or something? Uh, but yeah, just say that, I don't know, but it's just, I, I'm, you know, I'm just finding it hard doing that. And it doesn't mean I don't want to provide it, just, you know, once in a while it builds up. And they're like, then you invite them into your confidence, you know? But it's hard, it's hard because it involves self-pity, which men aren't good at. Because <laughs> for all the time you're doing that, there'll be another part of you just with a little violin going, oh, look at you, oh, isn't it difficult being you, you pussy? But, uh, but you know, ultimately, it's like a pit stop sometimes. Sometimes the true way to man up just get it off your chest and then just then you can go back to burying everything again. What most okay, we've got some letters here. We've got a couple of letters here. So this is uh, responding to the ongoing thing of women. We spoke we started off talking about wives doing stuff that men husbands find annoying. And this is kind of expanded out into women that you work with or deal with, but we're in an environment where you don't feel you can challenge women on behaviours. So this is from somebody who I actually don't think I should say the name actually. Somebody, let's call him Ben, right? Because his name is Ben. Um, <laughs> brilliant. That was almost like, don't tell him, Pike. Um, but I won't say his surname. And he's talking about a woman that he works with. And last week we were talking about a woman that was throwing grapes in the air and catching them in her mouth and just thinks she's got really good at it and it's annoying her husband. He said that there's a woman on his Zoom 
that is eating grapes seductively. And so there's two things here, Ben. Like the feminists that are listening will be going, is it seductive, Ben, or are you just subjecting her to the male gaze? There's a chance of that. You know, you might be feeling horny, got a bit of lockdown, blue balls yourself. But um, but yeah, I, I, the way that you phrased it, I, I suspect that this is what's happening. And just call her out on it. Just call her out. It's time for us men to start fighting back. Let's start getting some women cancelled. <laughs> cancel national, for International Men's Day, let's just all cancel a woman. <laughs> Go, yeah, yeah, fucking Bev from accounts freaking me out the way she's eating a fucking nectarine during Zoom meetings. <laughs> okay, this is about, this is from James Bowley. And uh, James Bowley, hey, James Bowley, great actor, great actor, kid. Brilliant to have on set. Um, he said, uh, "Will basically the thrust of it is is Will Cummings going benefit Boris? I think that the, the time where Cummings going could have benefited Boris was around the time of Barnard Castle and all that stuff. But they were both in a belligerent headspace. I think there was a bit of hubris from the election, having won so many seats. They thought they were indestructible. So him going when he did, you know, I don't know if it, I don't know if it, I mean you sort of almost thought that if he'd stuck around this long." He's a kind. He's kind of like your dog of war, doesn't he? We've got you've got a Brexit bill to get through Parliament. You know, potentially a deal. You know, so which perhaps, from the sounds of it, a lot of the you know the hardcore ERG Brexiteer types aren't necessarily going to like. So, so no, I I think that maybe you keep him until the new year. I would have thought that um, that he would have kept him to new year. I mean, maybe it was slightly softened. You know, we had Matt Hancock. Uh, going on GMB again this week. Thank God for that. Hey, eh? what a what a great result for the government is that Matt Hancock can go and just get fucking fried alive by <laughs> Piers Morgan because that was definitely coming from Cummins. Like, let's not speak to these guys. So um, yeah, I think that you know really people despise Cummins and they despise Boris. They won't stop until Boris is gone. Look, as I say, if you said to me Rishi Sunak is the new prime minister, I wouldn't be displeased. I'd be happy, but you know. Since we're all respecting the outcomes of democratic votes, less than a year ago, Boris Johnson was voted prime minister by a majority of people in this country, or by a, certainly a parliamentary majority. So he's our prime minister. You know what I mean? And the problem is now is he's going to start doing all this stuff that he thinks endears him to the liberal press. They don't care. They hate him. He can say, "Oh, we're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be green. We're going to have phase out diesel cars by 2030." And they'll just go, "2030, not." 2025 you know they're never going to just go oh that was good boris <laughs> this is a problem i've been talking about it's like he's got no latitude with them at all go you know what i mean like you think of the people you know who despise boris johnson can you imagine them ever going you know what in fairness to him that was actually a really good speech <laughs> they're never ever gonna say it because you know sadly with with getting the withdrawal agreement reopened and then winning an election he made them look stupid twice and people never forget being made to look stupid Okay, well we are running quite long here for a solo episode, but I wanted to, you know, I know what lockdown's like. I want to spend, I want to talk to you. I hope you, you're, you know, you want the company. I mean, come on, we are, we're two weeks in, two weeks in. Do you reckon it's gonna? Do you reckon they're gonna keep it to two weeks? Do you reckon uh, we're gonna finish on December the second? I fucking hope so. Uh, let's do some reviews. Oh, first up, we've got like three pound patrons here. Three pound patrons, Lee Pennycake. Lee Pennycake. These are fake names. I'm being pranked. Lee Pennycake and then Pete Lee. There's just, I think there's just one person. I've got some like Uber patron out there that doesn't want me to feel patronised. Maybe you're all like just one person. But thank you, Lee Pennycake, and thank you, Pete Lee. 
The Patreon at all levels helps keep the show uh, weekly and ad-free. That rhymes. Um, so this is, these are reviews online. So if you leave me a five-star five star review on uh, iTunes, then I'll read it out. This is from Cronin. Amusing as ever. Jeff Norcott. Uh, amusing. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, amusing. That's what I got into comedy for, to be amusing. No, but I appreciate it, man. Norcott is a delight to listen to. Oh, delight. See, if I'd have just read on, we didn't need to have that weirdness. His takes on recent political and social events have me laughing and nodding in agreement. It's comforting to know that I'm not the only person out there with extreme moderate centrist views. It's a bonus that as a southwest London lad just a few years older than Jeff, it's good to finally see someone like me get into representation in the media. Uh, even if you are left-leaning, you should see what the world like, looks like through long, uh, non-woke lenses. Um, this, this one's from a, a collection of letters. So, always, as always, that's got to be Russian bot. Jeff is funny, and that make five-star podcasts. Do I share his general point of view or political meanings? No, but the engaging with all parts of the political spectrum should be the norm. And when it's as funny as this is, it's easy. Great guess, wide points of view, and ends... With a that's what she said joke. What else do you want? Well, I'm glad somebody appreciated my that's what she said joke at the end of the last episode. I will never pass up a knob gag. Uh, <laughs> there's, sorry, I've just noticed, I've just noticed, because um, I, I say I'll only read out the reviews if they're five stars. Someone has put a five star review and just said three stars, which is very funny. Very funny. Still, still puts me up the algorithms, genius. Um, but I appreciate it. Uh, and this is from an, another collection of letters, but let's just read it. Let's just read it as a Yorkshireman. We haven't done, done that for a while. Oh, no, it's from Greg. Greg C. That sounds Yorkshire. Uh, not only hilarious as always, but last week's guest, Dominic Brisby, was absolutely on the mark with his analysis of the inflationary effects of quantitative easing. I mean, like, if I'd have known the sentence inflationary effects of quantitative easing would be in there, I might not have done it in a Jeffrey Boycott accent. Or maybe that's what Jeffrey Boycott was born to talk like. You know, hey, the fact is this most recent round of fiscal stimulus has gone too far. You can't just print money. Oh, that does sound like a boycott argument. When I grew up, my nan could print money. Um, and there's one last one here. This is from DJ Moody. Yes, yes, let's do this in a garage accent. When you think you're living in a parallel universe and everyone has gone mental, Jeff is a reassuring voice of reason and reality. I do hope that the majority of what he says is what most people do indeed think, even if they don't feel they can say it due to the social Nazis. More references to late 90s and early noughties raving would be nice. Oh my God, I didn't even know that. I fucking, I'm some sort of David Blaine shit. Oh, and the guests are mostly sensible too. Okay, that's where the garage voice just doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, that would be like if you was at a garage night and the MC was going, yes, yes, four to the floor. We keep it coming and you want some more. And some of the ambience is really quite uh, agreeable. That is not how we want a garage MC to speak. But listen, I love doing this podcast. I, oh God, this is, <laughs> that, but if you ever want a clue with a comedian that doesn't know how to finish with a joke, they'll just basically go really nice. That's what I just did then. Listen, you guys, amazing. Oh my God, you absolute legends. Just such nice people. Keep supporting this club. Keep supporting this great cause. Tip your waitress. Give her a slap. No, don't do that. It's 2020. That's not allowed. Oh, shit. I'm being pulled off stage. Oh, fuck. Thank you.